And I am Aware Now. Aware Now, the official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. This album is the result of spending the last two years studying and arranging Korean folk and children's songs. After workshopping and performing this music with several different groups and seeing a lack of representation for Korean music in jazz, Jordan Van Hemer set out to produce an album entitled Nomad. Before we talk music, let's talk title. The term nomad is defined by someone as a person who does not stay long in the same place, a wanderer. Jordan, how do you define this term and why was nomad the perfect title for your newest album? Yeah, um, it's really two reasons. So the first reason is because I I have a lot of friends um, who have different identities that they um, claim as their own, um, and I have you know recently seen a lot of my friends who are either um, who are mixed or who are like Korean American like me or or. Um, just of various um, uh, qualities and and the ways that we identify uh, one another. Um, and I've seen a lot of those people kind of identify themselves as um, as thinking that we're 50% of one thing and 50% of another thing or like 25% of four things or something like that. And I, I what I had come to realize is that um that the um it's a little bit of a like a i guess like a reclamation thing it's like no i'm 100% korean and 100% american and those two identities don't fight each other they make up who i am and and um or at least they don't they don't fight each other in the maybe the traditional sense and i i consider those things like a um not a detriment like like I had maybe heard from my peers earlier in my life, but as like a superpower. <laughs> and so the the first part of, of nomad being like a, a wanderer, it's like, yeah, if you're a nomad, you don't really have a defined home. So I think that when I was thinking about this album, my home is as a Korean person, but also as a jazz musician. And as somebody who calls this music um, and has dedicated, you know, my life to this music. And so um, it, it can be, it, and it can be in a way it's like, okay, well, um, well, who am I really first? And it's no, I'm both things first. Mm -hmm. So that's thing number one. The, the second thing is um, the nomad, the term nomad, it really references the, um, I'm glad you used the term like wandering or wanderer because it applies to the narrative structure of the entire album. So the album as a whole takes you on a journey through like a bunch of like really different tonalities and in uh, different kinds of songs and different um, instrumentations even. And um, so it's it's a journey kind of in a and the album is a 
like programmatically speaking is a journey. So that it's really those two things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's amazing. Um, and I just want to jump right into these tracks. You know, you had oh, sure. me at bird, bird, bluebird. With the very first track, Jordan, I was hooked, instantly drawn in by these very nuanced notes and transitioned to these jazzy over and undertones. I quickly fell in love with what I learned is perhaps the most representative melody among all the tunes of Korean traditional music. So for those who are unfamiliar as I was with this song, I did the homework. Let me share that homework with what I learned for people who are unfamiliar. Um, in this song, in the translation of it, the first, third, and fifth lines reference green bean. So here's the story for those not, uh, not familiar. The Korean general Bong Joon-jun led an unsuccessful uprising against corrupt rulers and invading Japanese troops in the late 19th century. His nickname was the green bean general. Legend says that he was a Korean version of Robin Hood. After attacking corrupt officials and seizing their treasures, he then distributed them to the poor commoners. He was very popular and many commoners joined his army. His army swept through large parts of the Korean peninsula before Korean rulers requested the Japanese army to intervene. Jun's army equipped with spears and arrows was no match against the westernized gun-wielding Japanese army, and in 1895, Jun was captured and hanged. Korean commoners sang this song to lament the general's death and the failed coup d'etat. And it is said that the widows of Jun's army sang this song to their babies as a lullaby. Wow, what? <laughs> so when I'm listening to this song, and just what is this about? What is its history? Where did this begin? And I do this research and I hear this story. So that means something to me, but I wanna know what does this song mean to you, Jordan? And why did you choose this track as your first to lead off this whole album? Sure. Um, first, I think um, I'll start with the second question. So why did I choose this track? Well. Uh, musically, you know, what the track does, originally it was going to be the last track, um, but I thought that, um, you know, because it, it ends on this high note and, and really a lot of intensity in the drums, um, but I, I thought actually in the beginning um, that the melody of the song is really stated, you know, pretty unencumbered by anything else. Um, it's a little... Uh, to me, I think it has like a haunting quality to it um, a little bit. And I just imagine like that that is how somebody might, you know, sing it um, and sing the and sing the song, um, you know, because when Korean widows would sing the song, they wouldn't really have like a lot of instruments. And again, it's it's a commoner um, like kind of those kind of um that group of people singing the, the sort of song so um it's not like a lot of the instruments or instruments that you would hear like in um uh, other places and so uh kind of what i heard of it was like it's 
first of all, with one foot in the Korean like aspect of it and and like in that first, you know, opening gesture um, is distinctively the Korean melody as, you know, uh, on saxophone, but as it, it would maybe would have been heard or is heard the then it goes to uh, kind of a um, uh, you know, this feel and what I told the band was that it kind of what I was thinking about, which um, is a little bit reminiscent of John Coltrane's classic quartet. And so what I the place that this came from, and I guess I'm now getting into the second or the first question is that what the song means to me, uh, I have heard and I think of this song as kind of a um it's a storytelling song and the um the where this tune specifically came from melodically and um uh harmonically in the treatment of it is john coltrane's treatment of follow the drinking gourd which he calls uh, and elaborates on his africa brass uh, sessions uh as song of the underground railroad and i think about the way that these songs would have been a little bit more on the innocuous side to uh, to the people who weren't really meant to know what their meaning was. And I think like that, uh, to me, the songs function in a similar way. Um, and they preserve history and tradition and, and story. And so when I think about these, uh, these songs, like the, the pairing of this song, Bird, bird, bluebird, saya, saya, panaxaya, was uh, natural with um, with this kind of a vibe, and you know, to bring it a little bit full circle, like the reason I, I think that this song is is first is just because I think those those like is because of the like the stories, you know of Korea in um, in the past. And Korea was repeatedly colonized by various other countries. And I think that like having a Korean national identity and having like that thing that made, or that makes Korea itself and these songs that make Korea itself those are important to preserve because they were so repeatedly attempted. Um, the erasure was repeatedly attempted. So, um, so it means a lot of things to me. And, and those are just a few of the reasons why it was first. And I think um, it, it's a little bit of a dark note on which to start an album, but I really was hoping that people would do exactly as you did and, and delve into the history of the song. Yeah, well, you did a beautiful job. And um, I like how you say okay. it. it has this, this haunting sort of beginning to it, but it does, it really sets the tone. And, and then the way it transitions so beautifully, it's, um, it's so well done. Um, you know, so, so that was, now you know, my favorite track. Uh, I mean, they're all beautifully done. What is your favorite track? If there was one, only one you could listen to on this album for the rest of your life, or play for, rather for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sure. Um, you know, it's it's probably the vocal arrangement of Arirang alone or Hodo Arirang. Um, 
with the full quintet, which is uh, Sharon Cho on the vocal part, and then Lisa Sung on piano, uh, in addition to Rodney Whitaker on the bass, Jeff Schaub on the drums, and myself on saxophone. Um, and the reason that's my favorite is, um, you know, when I was, when this music, a lot of it is Korean vernacular music. It's, it's the music that people sing and know, um, and it's, it's popular song. And when I think about like the great Sonny Rollins and his tradition of taking popular songs that maybe people didn't, were a little bit more obscure, um, that's kind of what I'm doing with this album. And so, uh, when I was in, um, I played an event with Lisa for the, the Korean Cultural Foundation of Philadelphia. And um, it was uh, this great, it was a, a really fun event. And afterward, um, you know, we were hanging out and, and everybody was, uh, you know, having, you know, sharing, breaking bread together as it were. Um, although there wasn't, there wasn't any bread. There was mostly like noodles and rice and things. Anyway, uh, it was, um, it was such a special time that we all spent together. And then afterward, um, Lisa and I started playing actually a few songs from this record and everybody was singing along and everybody, it was a really, really special moment. Like I, I, and one of the songs that everybody was singing was Holo Arirang. And, and, um, so between that being so special and my, um, the singer, Sharon, uh, she was talking to me and, and I was talking to her because singers, a lot of the time, uh, for those who might not know, uh, request songs in their key or in a song that best fits their voice. And so I was asking Sharon about, you know, I'm arranging this song for you to sing. So what is your, what is the key that you want? And so we were, um, going back and forth on it and, uh, I, she gave me one key and then I arranged the song and she said, actually, could you arrange it in, um, you know, could you, uh, put it in this key? Um, and it's the key that later, um, that later we used that you hear on the record. Hmm. And she said, the reason is, um, I, you know, my dad really loves this song and he heard that we were recording it because I told him and I, I want him to be able to sing along. So I wanted to fit both his range and mine. And so I, and that, that's really special to me um, to be able to, to kind of like facilitate that. But then the other thing, lastly, is I have a lot of really great memories in the studio of this song. And it's such a, it, um, the way that the arrangement came together, I, I always think that like writing jazz is so special because um, you rely a lot on the improvisation of the other people that are in the band mm -hmm. and uh, everybody brings something really really special and so as we were playing it some of the some of the parts of the arrangement were not necessarily things that i wrote but things were that were improvised mm -hmm. and um especially on the the melody on the way out of the song like after all the improvised solos um was something that rodney had contributed uh, the great Rodney Whitaker, and um, and uh, as I was giving the band some feedback between takes, uh, I noticed that, and I I said, "Hey, Rodney, I really really loved what you did there," um, and he's like, "Oh, you, you like that?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's really um, it's unique," and I had not necessarily thought of 
that particular kind of accompaniment for the melody, but it worked. And it, mm. I really loved the direction, the motion that it had. And so just the collaborative uh, element of the song and the way it came together. And of course, uh, the way that the band worked together during that session, I have a lot of really great memories of that. Uh, it was recorded in March of 2021. And so we were still kind of um, knee deep in, in COVID restrictions and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, but we made it work and, and the band was so, um, again, so collaborative and it was a great time in the studio. And I think more than anything else, this song reminds me that, um, that music is so much about the people who surround you in the studio and that that's what make it special over and over and over again. Like I could give this song to another band and it would sound completely different. I could give this song you know, to people and and have the same members of the band except for one and just change out one person and it would sound completely different. So over and over and over again, I'm reminded that music and especially this music um, that is derived, you know, from the African-American musical tradition is 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 about the individuals who bring their selves, who bring themselves to the music. And that's what makes it special. And and so that's my favorite track and that's why. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that is that is amazing. What I would give just to be a little fly on the wall just in the studio when that was recording. It sounds like it was such beautiful energy and collaboration. Well, we have a video of it on YouTube. And so you can kind of get like a little glimpse into what was going on in the studio. It's a live, well, kind of a live cut uh -huh. um, in that, um, in that like it's, it's kind of just a, a take straight through. Uh, and so um, like what you see is is what happened and unfolded in real time. And the video is just, you know, edited together in a couple of different angles. So you can see uh, oh, the, awesome. the various, you know, people who uh, who contributed. That's amazing. Well, I'm definitely going to be looking that up. Uh, you know, so let's talk for a moment. Let's switch gears a bit. Representation. Right. So representation is important. Um, and the reason, as, as you know, that if you don't see or hear versions of yourself, your music, your culture in society, it feels as though there isn't a place for you. You decided to make a place and a space for Korean music and jazz with what you've given in this album, Jordan. What is it that you hope people take from it you know i am i'm just one person and i have one point of view um so my story is not the korean american story it's a korean american story and so what i'm hoping that this record does is that it that anybody who hears it or anybody who um who is maybe into like the music of the people i had said so sonny rollins and john coltrane um i i had i would hope that they would you know check out some of the other inspirations behind this record first of all and just see like what what's out there and how we live in such a big world. Um, and I'm, I'm reminded of this by the, the giant map behind you. <laughs> and, 
it, it's such a big world and there are so many other cultures and perspectives and other ways that um, cultures use sound, organized sound music, to tell stories, to preserve tradition, to move and stir their own hearts. And so when I think about this record, I, I want people to understand that um, what I am, I, I'm not pretending to be an authority on Korean music because I'm not. And um, I, I'm, but, but I wanted to share these sounds that have really moved me and, and hope that they move somebody else. And in doing so, I want people to understand that there's more out there than just um, so-called Western music. And that there are, um, you know, one of the inspirations for the way that Sharon sings Holo Arirang is um, the Korean instrument, the hegum, uh, which is a... Uh, um, like a stringed instrument and it is, uh, it's bowed uh, and it, it, it's really unique. Um, and it has this really like, um, it has this floaty quality um, mm. and she really wanted to, you know, kind of share that with people. So I'm hoping that people would, would go out and, and listen to Korean uh, traditional music, um, but also that that people are able to listen to um, music from not not just the Korean musical traditions, but um, but other traditions as well. And then the other thing that I'm hoping is that for Korean people who listen to this, I hope they feel seen, and I hope that they feel like there's you know somebody out there who hears them and wants to create you know for them. And and mm -hmm. I like I said, I really didn't see a lot of that myself. Um, and uh, in terms of like, if, if I think of either Korean jazz musicians or API, AAPI jazz saxophonists, I, I mean, that's a, it's a small, it's a short list of people who have really, really inspired me. Um, and this is kind of me trying to pay it forward. Um, because I believe that art is a way that we preserve culture for um, for the next generation. And I, I believe I mentioned this when we were talking about I'm not, I'm not a Virus. I wanted I'm Not a Virus to be a time capsule of 2020. This record, I really want to, uh, to preserve these traditions that are very near and dear to my heart and also to... Um, to offer like a window uh, for people who might be on the outside looking in and not so familiar um, and also a door, like a way of, of a point of entry. Uh, but also, again, like I said, I, I hope that uh, Korean people, particularly those of the generations who fought and suffered to, so that our, you know, our, our people would be, um, could, could, be remembered. Uh, particularly, I hope that they feel honored by it and that they feel like it's a, um, it's a representation that they see and, and find beautiful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and, I, and I love how you speak to that for this to be a window and a door. And I think it is 
beautifully and brilliantly both of those things. Um, you know, as we pay tribute to the generations of Asian Pacific Islanders who have enriched America's history, what is it that you want people to be mindful of, not only this month, but every month, every day? What is it you want people to keep in their hearts and in their minds? You know, I think if I, if I had to say one thing, it would be that Asian American stories are American stories excuse me, period. And I think that when I look at who we are as a country, um, the amount of xenophobia that is some is that we, you know, experience. Um, I just want people to know that there is a that there are other perspectives. And I know that sounds silly to say, but when you live one life, it's really common to navel gaze and kind of look at life from your own perspective, myself included. And if there was one thing that I would have people take away from it is it's learn more about other people, get to know other people whose lives are different from your own. Mm -hmm. Understand that their perspective is valid and a, a valid way of experiencing the world but also just understand that you know um just because you didn't experience something in the same way as somebody else it doesn't invalidate their experience you know when i and and in the like in in, in the long run i think that the more we can learn about each other's stories the better off we are and i think that our um perspectives are really only stand to benefit the more we can do that mm -hmm. and it's it's about listening openly openly and listening um and truly listening to um not just hearing but listening uh to one another and understanding our shared humanity so asian pacific islander or A api apahm asian pacific american heritage month is something that i think is is you know a wonderful time to celebrate but it doesn't need to be the only time that we celebrate uh our heritages mm -hmm. and that's why nomad is here it's to to celebrate no matter what time of year wow it's it's incredible um and i like how you speak to the fact that you know we need to spend more time not just hearing but like actually actively listening I try to remind my son, you know, we've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Do this more, you know, right. so right. <laughs> uh, Jordan, I cannot thank you enough for this beautiful album that you've produced and shared with the world. We are honored to share your story and your music. Uh, thank you for helping all of us become a bit more aware now. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.